Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Catholic Dogs Podcast. On today's episode, Father Brian sits down with Evan McAfee, and while they do have a hilarious exchange uh, telling funny stories, there is a large portion of the show today where we talk about suicide and self-harm. Listener discretion is advised if these are topics that are sensitive to you or maybe triggering, you may want to consider skipping this episode. If you or anyone you know uh, is dealing with self-harm or suicidal thoughts, you can always contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or suicidepreventionlifeline.org. My uh, U.S. history teacher in high school, he was a real pain in the butt, and uh, he didn't give us study guides one time for a test, and this girl asked where's our study guide? And he said, well, if you beat me in rock, paper, scissors, I'll give you the study guide. He said, I don't want to do that. And I said, I stepped up. I stepped up. This is a game time moment. This is pressure is on. That's courage. I come in, game's on the line. I'm the talent. (laughs) I'm the talent. I'm the best rock, paper, scissors player of all time. You're about to swish this or hit it off the backboard or you're about to airball. I'm about to lob it off of the backboard, catch it midair, and slam dunk it. So basically, it's best two of three. We rock, paper, scissors. There's so much pressure. Yeah. This is... There were like I can feel the pressure. 50 ha- got... 50 however many years ago this was. In like, my class. I'm, I'm tense right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even know what happened. <laughs> I said perseverance. I, I don't even... I don't know if I want to know what happened. So... Rock, paper, scissors. I pick rock. He picks paper. Game one goes to Coach Turco. Mm. That's my U.S. history teacher. Rock, paper, scissors. Both pick paper. Rock, paper, scissors. Both pick rock. Rock, paper, scissors. I pick scissors. He picks paper. Tied up. Game tied. We're going to game seven. It's best two out of three? Yes. We're going to... Best five out of seven? No. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> this is game seven of the NBA finals right here. Basically, it's game three of rock, paper, scissors. But rock, paper, scissors. I pick rock. He picks scissors. Game over. We get study guides for everyone. The crowd erupts. There was no crowd. It was just my classmates, and they all started clapping. It was one of the greatest days of my life now that I think back on it. But... uh. <laughs> It was really funny. Good <laughs> that's, story. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What did he do? Did he have like a look of disappointment? Yeah, because I think he had to make a study guide. I don't think he made <laughs> one. I think that was the only reason he did that was because he never made a study Dang guide. It. Man, but he challenged y'all. Yeah. Or he challenged uh, your classmate and you just stepped up and beat him. I stepped him. up and I beat him. <laughs> it was so funny because the girl was like, no, I don't want to do it. And I was like, I got this. Because I was like, I can take it. I can take the heat. I can take the heat. So I, they put me in the kitchen. Yep. And uh, Step- I stepped up, swished that game-winning shot. Man, that was a swish. And it was a, it was a down one swish, too. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, buzzer beater. Buzzer beater. I'm telling you, I'm a clutch performer. Put me in any uh, athletic or non-athletic situation. <laughs> you got, you got a, you've got a purebred ice in his veins talent. <laughs> uh, I'd be interested. So I want to, I want to pitch this at you if you're interested in talking about this. Yeah. So on your social media recently, you posted about how September or October October. Mm-hmm. October is Suicide Awareness Month. Oh, September is. Sorry. September. <laughs> I thought you were... Sorry. Well, no. I know this. What is Don't October? Worry, October is the, the month that uh, it occurred. The month that... Okay. Yes. Okay. So here we go. So yeah, if you're interested in talking about this... You posted on social media about how September is Suicide Awareness Month, mm-hmm. uh, and that means something to you. It means a lot to me because as a as a priest, I deal a lot with uh, individuals who are in really tough situations or families who've had their dynamics shaken. Um, this week, actually, I had a uh, a good friend of mine tell me that one of their loved ones uh, in their family took their own life. Uh, which is really tough, and they didn't see yeah. it coming. Yeah. Right? And uh, 2020, you know, ironically, was for me began with a suicide funeral that I did. Um, and it's tough. It's it's tough because like it rocks the world. It rocks everybody's world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but when I saw that on your on your social media, I I appreciated it because it's usually pretty taboo. It's usually stigma around it. Yeah. There's a lot of stigma around it, and. Yep. I mean, surprisingly, it's in, it's incredibly common. Super. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in, in sure. kind of giving some words of like what that means to you or why that means so much to you. Yeah. Um. So basically, I've all I uh. Like at an early age, I was diagnosed with um. General anxiety, and then later on, I was depressed or I was uh, diagnosed with uh, depression as well. And so I've been dealing with those for a really long time. Um, and these are incredibly common in yes, general. Yes, like super it's, common. It's fascinating because for me as a priest, I have a lot of encounters with with people. Yep. And so the more that I learn about people and families, uh, the more I realize just how common all of this is. Yeah, right? absolutely. So it's, it's such an... And, it, and it, if you do have some sort of anxiety or depression, uh, you it feels as if you're, you're like the only one. Yes. Right, and there's something wrong with you and, and nobody else. Everyone feel, else seems great. Everyone else seems fine, yep. whatever. Uh, but it's incredibly common. You feel absolutely alone despite the fact that millions also like feel the same way. Um, but so in October of 2016, I believe, um, I attempted uh suicide um don't really want to go into the details of that don't want to give anybody ideas i guess you know um but basically i survived my attempt and um through that i was able to come out the other side and really understand uh my depression better and i think through that i can help a lot of other people and i really think that that's something that I'm super called to do. Um, 
but uh, it was a really, really tough experience for myself and my whole family. Um, I'm probably going to jump around a little bit. So right afterwards, they told me to go to uh, therapy uh, before being discharged from the hospital. I had to uh, go to like had to sign up for mandatory counseling. And the counselor, I was talking to him and he was like, so what's been going on? I was like, I don't know. Sort of just felt alone, felt completely alone, felt like no one was there for me, felt like I wasn't loved, felt like I could never be loved. Um, he's like, well, you know, you can, you can sort of help alleviate these issues a little bit by forming some sort of routine and by, you know, surrounding yourself with good people. And this was at a time where I, I first was starting to like get a, where I first got a car. And so at this point I wasn't really, I would like, you know, drive to mass and then drive away and not go to like youth group or anything. And some days I would just like, honestly, uh, I would drive to the church because my dad had my location on his phone. I would drive to the church, show him that I'm at church and then drive away and I wouldn't even go to mass. And so I was at that point in my life, and he's like, well, you know, you should probably go to Mass and, like, go to that youth group thing. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I think that would that would help me. So I was like, that was probably, I would say that was God talking through there, through the counselor at that point, you know, with, you know, not necessarily, like, spiritual guidance. I mean, I guess it's spiritual to guidance, but it was, like, really, like, set in, like, a sort of way where my mind was just, like, yeah, that makes sense scientifically. Because a lot of the time, that's still, like, how I go about, I guess, faith and theology in general is a lot of, like, empirical stuff. So I really love, like, uh, miracles and, you know, like, Eucharistic miracles and apparitions and things that people see because I feel like those are just, like, you know, it's it's just more evidence that I feel like I need, but I'm at a point now where I just, I'm like really in a good place spiritually, I think. Um, well, you are the evidence. Yes, I guess I am the evidence. You're the embodiment of that, of miracles. Yeah. I think as, uh, <clears throat> you're walking around. I am walking around. With an incredible amount of joy and laughter and, yeah. And weirdness. I am weird. <laughs> That's the good thing about me is that I, I love being weird. I think uh, I think there are a lot of people that don't embrace their individuality enough. And I think that's the thing that people need to do the most. I think if, if everyone embraced themselves as individuals and less of a coagulation. So you've come you've come to an appreciation of yourself. Yes. Absolutely. And did you did you learn that through your youth group? I learned it a little bit through youth group and a lot through prayer. Um, I love uh, Saint Dimphna. Who is Saint Dimphna? Saint Dimphna was. Do you even pronounce that? Uh, it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> it's super hard to spell. Dimphna. Um, Dimphna. Yes. <laughs> um, Saint Dimphna was a martyr. She. Uh, 
was the daughter of a king, I want to say. And um, her dad would, like, abuse her as a child. And so she, like, developed, like, really bad uh, mental health issues. Um, and then uh, she, like, found God, I believe, and her dad was, like, really, really really hated it for whatever reason and so he had to he tried to have her killed and she fled she fled and then eventually she uh she was caught and she was executed and so she's a martyr uh and so a lot of the times I'll do an inter intercessory prayer for her whenever I'm feeling anxious cuz she's like the patron saint of I think anxiety and mental health disorders um and so I loved I loved praying to her not to her. You know what I mean? Don't don't get it twisted. <laughs> through her. Through her. Um, <laughs> but I think through prayer, I've definitely been able to find myself. And just through contemplation. And then I think I've, I've been able to improve myself in, in a lot of different ways that make me feel more positive about who I am. But that's not necessarily something you should feel the need to do. Obviously, there's a... I mean, don't not improve yourself, but you should just love yourself as you are and then love yourself as you continue to grow. But I felt like um, that was something that was hard for me, but now it's not anymore. I just love myself because I'm really cool and I'm awesome. That's not arrogance. That's that's just self-love. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, it's powerful that you are, like you said, you're, you're willing to and you want to find a calling to be able to assist other people in their anxiety or depression. Yeah. So, like, uh, what I basically posted on social media was my, my testimony on suicide and then how I felt, how it looked like I was fine, because you can't tell. You, It's super subtle um, up into a certain point where then, I would consider it blatantly obvious. Um, but there are certain things that you can do every single day to just help people. And like through my posts, like turns out there were a couple of people at my school where I like, because of how I felt, you know, feeling excluded in a lot of parts of my life, I always feel like I should include every single person I know. I want everyone to feel included and everyone to feel happy. And that's why I try to try to spread so much, I guess, joy and laughter. That's why I enjoy being funny. I think laughter, you're like, that's a very pure form of, of happiness, you know? You're literally just exploding with noise because you're so happy. Um, uh but you know, and now you know happiness and joy. So yes. This, so this is interesting is that you know, like, you know the uh, the dark side of life and also you know the yeah. light side of life. Yeah. I think I know the darkest, because I've been to, like, the darkest point, I feel like I really truly appreciate the joy more and, 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 able, and I'm able to see it better. Um not to say that you guys should get to that deep point, but I think you everyone is able to learn what joy is and how to and how to find it in everything. And I think that's something that I've been able to to do a little bit better. 
I, I remember uh, you were talking about one of your homilies the other day, talking about being a hopeful realist, where, you know, not everything, you're not going to be optimistic in everything, but you can sort of find the joy in everything. And I think that's something that I've been able to do really well. Um, not a pessimist, not an optimist. No. But a hopeful realist. Yes. I got to I got to listen to that homily. You just gave me a little synopsis, little spark notes, but I uh Yeah. I got to f- find that. Well, there's something cuz everyone everyone every, <laughs> Everything is on Spotify <laughs> at, at the moment. Yeah. That's funny. But everybody has like all of this stuff that we go through and as a priest I get to I get invited into this space of the people's yeah. lives and so yes. it's, it's incredible it's awesome that's it, amazing like very, I, I couldn't imagine very sacred yeah uh, I get invited into the spaces the intimate spaces uh, we call it like we call it immediate intimacy like all of a sudden I'm in there all, yeah. of, all of a sudden they have ushered me into this space yeah and it's very sacred yep and there's a ton of suffering all over the walls everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something or another that is a complexity. Uh, it's a it's something that aches their heart. It's something that they worry about. It's a fear that they have. It's something that they carry around with them that they shouldn't carry around with them, but they have no choice. It's an injustice that is happening. It's all it's fears of you know health or whatever. It's all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's and it's incredible um, the amount that people carry. Uh, and I get and I see that all the time. I walk in to this space in their own heart. And I get to see the writings on the walls all over their heart. And like, it's, it's incredibly sacred, like I said. But it's like finding the hope, finding the joy, being able to give people relief and to relax and give people light and life and in a lot of sense, resurrection and to just accompany them in those spaces in their hearts where they need someone to accompany them. Uh, and like you said, especially those who uh, are... Uh, feeling as if they are not included or not, um, I guess, yeah, not uh, accompanied by anybody else. I love wa- I love reading scripture in this light, where Jesus goes specifically to those who are in need, mm-hmm. and not in like a physical need, not yeah. in like a you know spiritual need. Even it's mm-hmm. like no, they're just like outed by society. Yeah, and like Jesus goes right to them. Yeah. It's amazing. Right? It's like as a as a mission statement, which is like to follow Christ. My mission statement is to follow Christ and to learn from Him. Uh, like, okay, how do I do that? How yeah. Do I, how do I walk to the people who are in need that like nobody else is looking at, or nobody else is acknowledging, or people have shunned them away for whatever reason? I mean, maybe it is because they have a stigma, mm. right? Or maybe it is because they've um, they've look a certain way, and so they're they're kind of different than the rest of society. Uh, how do I go towards them? That's the method of Christ. Yeah, and I think I think you just the best way that I've come about it is just by treating everyone as though they should be included. There are a couple people in my high school that, you know, I I got messages after after my post. They would say, you know, I was super shy and I was going through a lot of the stuff that you said you were going through, and your, you know, demeanor and ability to talk to me helped. It really helped me get through the day, and I, 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 I cried because I was like, I didn't know that any of this was happening. I had no idea, um, but just knowing that my words and my joy, whether or not at that point it was, 
it was false or real helped out others. And so I think maybe it's a little bit sacrificial in a way, but a lot of the time, like maybe some days I'll have a bad day. I mean, it's not like a terrible day, but like just not a day where I'm feeling amazing. I'm still going to go out of my way to, to make sure that if I ever see someone, you know, who looks down or I guess feel like looks excluded. I feel like I've, I've gotten like better at noticing those types of things since I've been in those situations. Um, you're, you're, just you're go in, over and talk to them. You're in pursuit of the person on the margins. Yes. You're in pursuit of the person in need. Yeah. And you've trained yourself through your own, reflecting on your own experience and by passing through your own experience, mm -hmm. you've trained yourself to be able to do that almost naturally. Yeah. I think... Uh, to bring redemption, to bring resurrection, to bring life yeah. into particular people on particular days. Absolutely. I think it's amazing that you're able to do that too. You have an awesome... Thanks, man. Awesome ability and a cool responsibility too where, you know... Well, again, people it, have that just immediate openness, right? You know, you've got because obviously, with the title and the job of a priest, you have that inherent n knowledge that you can be trusted, and then people will be able to open up to you. And I think that's awesome. And I hope that one day people will be able to do that with more than just you. Not that that would be, not that it's bad that you're like one of the people that they do that to, but it's like there's a stigma around certain problems where people won't say it to anybody, you know? And I think a lot of the time, if people were just more open about their own feelings, what a lot of this wouldn't happen. What I try to do to combat this is I just try to uh, for individuals who are not open to me mm -hmm. I just try to build trust right for whatever reason yeah. they, don't, they don't trust me which is fine yeah I mean why trust anybody these days exactly right but I seek out uh, a trust relationship and so um, and how you do that is you just spend time with them you grow in relationship with them and eventually down the road is like they let you in yeah. Which is which is great. I mean, if because if they're blocking me, they're probably blocking everybody else. Yeah. Like you're the num I would say during my darkest times, the person that I would go to the most was my youth minister. He was the person that I trusted more than I trusted my friends, more than I trusted my parents, more than I trusted my grandparents who were who are amazing and I trust them more than my parents. Um, you know, you guys are that figure. And I think that comes with an, a, a, a true responsibility that I wish I had the ability to, to bear in a certain way where, you know, you're someone to go to when you're having these difficult issues. And I think, uh, I think knowing how to, I guess, build trust with people and get them to open up is probably the most important thing. 
you know, finding that trust, building that trust. If you want to become a priest. <laughs> I, I love kids. I have, want kids. You have a scared look on your face. I do. I want kids. <laughs> I want to have, I want to be a t-ball coach. Hmm. I can't wait. I want to be a dad. I love priests, but I want to be a dad. <laughs> I I do. I do. I love the job. I think the job is great, but I got to ve- say. It's very nice. I, I enjoy it a lot. I, I uh, would hope so. I, it would stink if you didn't. If I didn't like it. <laughs> it's like... If yeah. every day was a drag. <laughs> oh, not again. It's like at the at your like oh, homilies, mass. you're like, oh, gosh, guys, come on. Mass Give me a again? break. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, what is it? Sabbath, really? <laughs> uh, here's the... Uh, the Behold the, the Lamb of God. <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yep. Here we go. Here we go. Yo. Any prayer requests? <laughs> um, it's, such a, it's such a life-giving life uh, yeah. for this reason of like being invited into people's spaces and lives. And, and it, not everything is serious, right? It's, it's like... I don't know. I've I've gotten very good at uh, the serious stuff. Mm. Uh, like last, the past couple of years, at the previous parish I was at, I was doing funerals every week. Wow! And so I was faced with the reality of death on, yeah. a, on a weekly basis. So it mm-hmm. became a part of my spiritual life. Uh, but I worked in a hospital at one point, and uh, I was in a trauma center. And so I'm faced with like the traumatic events of our city on a daily, daily basis mm-hmm. and getting very comfortable around it, uh, was a skill that I had to develop, but also like recognizing my giftedness in saying, in seeing that, uh, Hey, like God has actually made me for this of like being able to operate in these spaces that are of true suffering mm-hmm. where like people need me or people need the presence of Christ. People need the presence of a priest, uh, in these, people need a presence of somebody else who's willing to enter into yeah. that space with them. It's it's the incarnation in terms of ministry. It's like entering into the dark spaces of of our world, uh, the dark spaces of our city, and, and bringing a light that brings people to life. That's amazing. I think. I mean, I don't know. It's awesome. That's so cool. Floored. I am. I'm speechless. I mean, you're you're faced with like. Yep. Is Father Fred down there? Yeah, but he's down after this one. He's only okay. Thanks. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's a. So if you could, if you could tell, uh, folks about. If you had one thing to say to folks who are struggling with depression and anxiety, what would you say? I have a list. Can I say the list? Yeah. Um, this is basically what I what I what I shared, and I uh, I like to get this out to more people if possible. You know, so feel free to you know pass this along. Um, I think those who are struggling with depression. Um, there are really four things that I'd recommend that are super easy to do. Um, reach out to friends. I know I've been at a point where I think that these friends aren't actually my friends and that they don't like me. I know this because I've been there. Um, but you'd be surprised by how much reaching out and talking about how you're feeling will impact them and they'll impact you in that same way they will 
absolutely be there for you. Um, next thing I would say is, uh, therapy is amazing. Um, therapy brought me back into, uh, faith in a lot, in a, in a big way. And it also just helps, uh, I'd say it helps you understand your thoughts and it also helps you understand that you're not alone with these issues. There are other people that feel the same way, not necessarily the same way, but they feel like the way you do. Um, and I think understanding how to combat those thoughts and how to, and why these thoughts happen, I think, uh, helps to combat, uh, the depression when it comes back is you have to realize, Hey, this isn't actually real. These are lies that your brain is telling you because you've got too much serotonin in your brain. Uh, at least that's one of the theories, chemical imbalance. Um, Another thing I'd say is even if you're not contemplating suicide and you're just struggling with depression, a suicide hotline is wonderful. Uh, they have people who are trained in, you know, speaking to people with depression, are trained in helping you through whatever you're going through, whether it be just an like, anxiety episode, a panic attack. Like suicide prevention lifelines are meant for those kind of cases too. Um, and then lastly for the, uh, I'd say prayer is, uh, extremely helpful. Uh, St. Dymphna intercessory prayer. Wonderful. Uh, nightly examine, looking at the bright things in your day, not only helps you at the end of the day, uh, to realize how great your day was or how great things are, but it also helps your demeanor throughout the day. Cause uh, if you know that you're ha you're doing an exam at the end of the day, you start looking for good things instead of bad things. And um, I think that helps you, I guess, engage in a little bit more positivity. But I'd say those are the four things for anyone struggling with depression. And then uh, I have some things for, to say for people who want to help, who want to help others. Um, if you you think that someone is uh depressed there's a mood change a sudden mood change that occurs they'll uh people generally in a depressed state will isolate and will also a big uh giveaway is um like uh giving away possessions that are really important to them a lot of people give away their phones a lot of people give away their like car their like a bunch of really sentimental stuff. If you receive a sentimental thing from someone who you haven't seen in a while or you know is like isolating, that's that's a that's a red flag and just that's a time to reach out. If the worst case scenario is they're just, you know, fine and they actually wanted to give you a gift and at that point it's like, oh whatever. Best case scenario is you could save somebody's life. You know? Uh two, I'd say reach out in person, don't call. I think, uh, you know, generally you can, uh, in a depressed state, just like block phone calls, but you can't block a knock on the door. And then, uh, lastly, I just say, uh, sh uh, have empathy. I think, uh, a lot of people, you know, you don't understand what people are going through. And I think if they tell you what they're going through, you should listen and you shouldn't just discount it. And I think those are the things I got to say.
Thank you for listening to the Catholic Dogs Podcast. The Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.